Good evening, and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier, and we are in a very special and exciting time. Just this week, we have coming up in the United States the midterm elections, and I know many are excited and anticipate a change and a shift in our nation. You see, many things have been exposed or revealed. And as we've been talking a lot about on this show, whether that's laws and legislation and all these policies and plans and procedures that are outside of the will and the covenant and the laws that the Lord has established. As we were talking on the, in the earlier episodes of Matters of Life, we discussed how even Martin Luther King would state that the laws of this nation need and should reflect, align with the very laws of God that we find in his word. And only then can we truly be a nation under God. Everything we do and say should reflect our Lord and Savior's nature, character, and his attributes. But I want, I want to bring this, I feel led to bring this important point up this week. Regardless of what happens, and I, I will say I fully expect there to be a shift and a change in this nation, but in the atmosphere as well, that we will again, as we did in the beginning, in the establishment of this nation, be a nation under God a nation that reflects his nature and character and attributes. But there's this very important point in what I'm saying, and that is that it's not that we did anything in and of ourselves. Yes, we can and we should vote or cast our ballot for the the candidate that the Lord has led us to vote for only those candidates for wherever you find yourself in this nation. But I I will say this. It's not that we did it. It's not that we brought about the change. But it's the Lord that brings about our deliverance. It's the Lord that takes care of the enemies. Yes, of the nation but enemies and those that are in opposition to his will, wherever they may be. And that first happens as a result of covenant. Covenant with the Lord. If we really study out the history of this nation, we find that many times over, this land was dedicated to the Lord to the Lord God Almighty. Which is why you find even printed our our money, our dollar bills, that we are one nation under God. Because this, this land and our founding fathers had a relationship with the Lord. And they sought to carry out his will, his plans, and his purpose for the nation, not their own. 
they understood that, would, that it was the Lord that was bringing them and brought them and was establishing a, a land of promise for them. And they, our founding fathers, made a covenant with the Lord for that generation. And for those that are listening tonight, I would ask you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 29. And where we're going to come from is chapters 29 and 30 of Deuteronomy. Because uh, Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. Moses is speaking to the generation that is about to enter the promised land. The land that the Lord promised there, the patriarchs, or Israel's founding fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The land he swore, the Lord swore to give them. And even with that, there were conditions. He gave it to them because of their covenant with the Lord. So it begins this way. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 29. It says, These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the sons of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant which he had made with them at Horeb. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants and all his land. The great trials which your eyes have seen, those great signs and wonders. Yet to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to know, nor eyes to see, nor ears to hear. And we're going to pause there on this because as, I, as the Lord brought me to this, this section and what he was discussing with me this week, we as a nation, the United States, is very much in this same place where we are at a place where this generation needs to enter into covenant with God. We have seen the work in the hands of the Lord, even though we have not fully understood all that the Lord was doing on our behalf. Because in the next few verses, if you will, if you read from where we left off at verse 4 down to verse 9, Moses begins to share with this new generation and, and this next generation, the generation that is about to enter or getting ready to enter the promised land. He's sharing with them all the things that they had observed over the last 40 years. And, and I say that because if we study out the word, you'll find that they had already been to the promised land. They had sent out the spies to go search out the land. The Lord had already said that he had given it to them. But, well, I'll say there before they were even a nation, 
but the people, the children of Israel in the wilderness refused to enter into the land. They refused to demonstrate their faith or put it in action and go and do the things that the Lord was asking them to do. Instead, they rebelled against the Lord. Their words were stout, the Lord says, were stout against him. He said he'd already given them the land. They just needed to go take it. But they looked at what was on the surface, what their eyes saw and what their ears heard, and they believed that over the voice of the Lord. So an entire generation perished in the wilderness. And now you have this next generation. So in that generation, that first generation was everyone over the age of 20 perished with the exception of Moses, who he's getting ready to go home and be with the Lord. But at the time he's, he's sharing this covenant and explaining spiritual things to this generation. It was Moses, Joshua, and Caleb were the only people out of an entire generation that the Lord said, or that the Lord allowed to, to enter into the promised land. So here he's, Moses is just explaining some things to them, letting them know that, hey, look at all these signs and wonders that the Lord did for you. I know you saw them. I know you experienced them. But you haven't fully understood the Lord's doing and working. And as we were saying at the beginning of this show, we, as a, a generation, but as a nation, have seen the, I'll say, exposing of things that are against the Lord's will. We have seen the Lord reveal those things to us and shown us the, the depth to which opposition has, up to this point, taken root. And I think now many are waking up and saying, I don't see a way out except that the Lord moves and works on our behalf. And he is doing that. And he has been doing that. But let's look at even the times of, and there's been a, a great period of time where we have, we as a nation have been in opposition to the Lord. Even in that, the Lord has still blessed us and prospered us in many ways. Moses in this, in Deuteronomy 29, is speaking and saying, I've led you for 40 years. Your clothes haven't worn out, sandals haven't worn out, right? The Lord has always provided food and drink and, and all these things. And he's even given them land. He even says how he gave them, so he's protected them even in battle. So, so even without entering the land, they were already fighting battles to ward off enemies. And when I speak about battles, yes, there were physical battles. But there are many in the faith, followers of Christ, believers, that have fought many battles in this time. And even that land was also given as, a, as an inheritance to the children of Israel while in the wilderness. And what he's speaking about there um, with Sihon, the king of Hezbon, Heshbon, excuse me, and Og, the king of Bashan, came out. Heshbon is 
all but due east of where Jerusalem lies, slightly north, but but almost due east, across the Dead Sea, just north of the Dead Sea. But if you were to look at where that lies on a map, you'll find that it's almost directly due east from Jerusalem. And the Lord gave that to them. They, he, do, he protected them in battle. He delivered the enemies into their hands. Yes, they had a role to play, and they had to fulfill their role. But he's saying, look, it's the Lord that's done this. And Moses is just sharing all these, these ways, this revelation, this insight. And I bring this up because, as I said, we as a nation haven't fully understood all that the Lord has done on our behalf. It's no different than what is said in Isaiah 6, uh, beginning in verse 8. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here here am I, send me. And he, that's the Lord, said, Go and tell this people, Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return, that means return to the Lord, and be healed. And he continues and says, Then I said, Lord, how long? And he said, he answered, Until cities are devastated without an inhabitant, houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Yet there will be a tenth portion in it, and it will again be subject to burning like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. So in Isaiah there, it's exactly talking about what the children of Israel have experienced here in Deuteronomy 29. But it's also what we have experienced as a nation. We've not fully understood all that the Lord is doing. So Moses gathers together the entire nation of Israel. And he says this in verse 9. I'm going to read from verse 9 to 15. It says, So keep the words of this covenant to do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. You stand today, all of you, before the Lord your God, your chiefs, your tribes, your elders, and your officers, even all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the alien who is within your camps, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into the covenant with the Lord your God and into his oath with the Lord your God, his oath, which the Lord your God is making with you today, in order that he may establish you today as his people and that he may be your God, just as he spoke to you and as he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now not with you alone am I making this covenant and this oath, but both with those who stand here with us today in the presence of the Lord our God and with those who are not with us here today. And in there, there's, there's so much contained in that section of scripture. 
as I said, Moses is speaking to the entire nation of Israel, all the people, the second generation, as he has been in the previous chapters of Scripture, letting them know the difference between the blessing and the cursing. And now he is saying, hey, we're going to enter into this covenant. And not just with us who are standing here. This is, we, we spoke in earlier episodes, about the courts of heaven. And in the courts of heaven, Moses is saying, Let, we're going to make this legal and binding with our Lord and Savior. This is what's necessary. And for any of those that study this out, because he says, I'm not just making it with you who are standing here today. He says, I'm making it with those of us who are not here today. So in other words, all of heaven and earth is bearing witness on the choice that we are making, that, and this is the will, covenant, plan, and purpose of the Lord God. And that's, you'll find this throughout the entirety of the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. He says, uh, enter into the covenant, uh, this is in verse 12 and 13, right? So enter into the, the covenant with the Lord your God in into his oath, which the Lord your God is making with you today, in order that he may establish you today. This is it. This is key. He establish you today as his people, and that he may be your God. If you've listened to uh, any of the other shows or podcasts that uh, I or or my wife Kamisha have been on, you'll hear us say this many times. That God is our God, and we are his people. Because that his plan, his purpose, and his covenant, his law for you, that, and his desire is that he would be your God and you would be his people. But as I said, he's making this legal and binding, and not just with those that are standing before him. He's making it with those that have already gone home in the entirety of heaven and earth. If we turn to Hebrews chapter 12, there is, uh, we can read the first, it's really two, but we'll probably read the first three verses. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And this is vital. So we see exactly what the Apostle Paul writes about in Hebrews happening here in Deuteronomy 29 with the nation of Israel. He is standing in the courts of heaven, as it were, and calling on all of heaven and all of earth to bear witness to the nation making this covenant today. Because this, as you'll notice, it 
and as we read in Isaiah. Scripture tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to us. Where many times in the natural, we, as people, want to enter in to the land. We want to receive all the blessings and benefits that are in the Lord. They're already within him. He wants to give them. He asks first that we seek him, that we be a covenant people or in a people in covenant with him, that he is our God and we are his people. And then all these things are added. Not because we're pursuing the things, the blessings, the benefits, the ability to enter the land. We don't just want the land. What good is a land without people? How can you have a kingdom if you only have land? How can you be a nation if nobody inhabits the land? It's not just the land. It is the land and its people. That is where we as a nation need to, I'll say, enter in. Yes, we are already have been given the land. But have we truly entered into the land? And when there are plans and policies and procedures and laws and legislation in place that is in opposition, enforcing wickedness, vice enforcing the laws or that are aligned and enforcing the laws that the Lord has given, how can we truly live in the land? How can there truly be freedom? It absolutely matters. But when that happens, when we allow wickedness to exist and to operate freely, there are consequences to that. And Moses continues to share that with the children of Israel. In verse 25 and 26, he says this, when explaining why, when, when wickedness is allowed to exist, that the Lord will then remove the people from the land. Or, and by that, I mean, the Lord allows us to be driven out of the thing we have desired when we don't desire him. It says, then men will say, or oh, sorry, I'll be in verse 24. All the nations will say, why has the Lord done this to this land? Why this great outburst of anger? Then men will say, because they forsook the covenant of the Lord, the God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went and served other gods and worshiped them, gods whom they have not known and whom he had not allotted to them. We must enter, or I'll say repent, but the biggest thing is to enter into covenant with the Lord, that he's our God and we are his people. And Moses here is really trying to drive this point home to the people, as I am trying to highlight it in your mind today that you can see and hear what the spirit is saying to the churches just like it says or saying to you just like what the lord says to 
all the churches in Revelation. And every one. This claim, this statement is made. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, says to the churches. Literally every one. Will we hear what the Lord is saying and asking or acquiring of us? That he's our God, that we're his people, that we lay aside sin and all those things that are in opposition to him that are designed to entangle us, to steal from us, designed to kill us and our livelihood and all those other things, and then ultimately bring about destruction. Yes, we see the natural fruit of these things, all the, the negative consequences. But what the Lord is saying in this is by serving him, by putting him in his rightful place as our God and by us being his people, that he will bring about restoration, which is the thing that I think many, especially in this nation, but I know around the world, are also seeking. They're looking for the fruit and the evidence of remaining in covenant with God, which is exactly what Moses begins to discuss with them in chapter 30. But it has this one famous verse before this. Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. So it shall be when all these things have come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind in all nations where the Lord your God has banished you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and soul, according to all that I command you today, you and your sons. Then the Lord your God will restore you from captivity and have compassion on you and will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. And he just continues to, to set before them the blessing and the curse. It's the difference. This is the, the fruit, the evidence. These are the benefits and the blessings of serving the Lord your God, of removing sin and everything that is in opposition to him outside of the Lord's nature, character, and attributes in your life, in your family, in your, or your home, in your community, in your state, and in this nation. Providence, province, whatever, for your nation. For those that are listening around the world. By removing those things from our lives, by remaining in covenant with the Lord, by keeping focus on Him, we will only have the good. The Lord desires always to give his people, those in covenant with him, his absolute best. So will we receive his best or will we forsake him 
and experience all the, I'll say the fruit of the evidence, the horrible fruit of, as we have for such a long time, of being in opposition to the Lord, of not listening to his voice, of not being sensitive to his Holy Spirit, as did the first generation of people talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness, the ones that died off and were not able, allowed to enter into the promised land. We have a choice to make as a nation. Will we listen to him? Will we, will be, will we excuse me, be obedient to what he's saying? Or will we perish in the way like the children of Israel in the wilderness? My hope and my desire is that we would choose God. But Moses ends his, I'll say, discussion with the children of Israel in the wilderness in chapter 30, much in the same way he starts it when he talks about covenant. In chapter 30, verse 19, he says this, Actually, I'll begin in verse 18. He says, I declare to you that today you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land which you, where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. That's the curse. If they do not, and if we as a nation do not choose to enter into covenant with the Lord, that he's our God and we are his people, not because of fear, but because we truly love him. And we see him for who he is. And we will experience the good. But then he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God by obeying his voice, and by holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So we as a nation need to make that same choice. I said in the same way that Moses declared that he calls all heaven and earth to witness today and we are entering into covenant with the Lord our God. I do the same. I call all heaven and earth to witness that we our nation under God, that he is our God, and that we are his people, that we will love the Lord our God with all our mind, heart, body, soul, and strength. And we will love our neighbor as ourself because we love the Lord our God. It is impossible to legislate love 
It has to come from within, where the entirety of the Godhead resides with those who believe in our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, living and dwelling in us, He being our God, because our God is one, so He being our God and we being His people, that we will be that nation. I say that for this nation. For those and the other nations that are listening, I ask you to enter in to that covenant with the Lord for your nation. Now, I know we have, again, much to do, much that the Lord has for us to do, because there is a role, there is, there is work to be done for the kingdom, but also in this nation. But know that it's not us that is the one doing the work, but it's the Lord doing it in and through us through those that are willing to cooperate and participate with his will, his plan, his purpose, his covenant for us, for our lives, for all who would believe on and in him. And yep, part of that does begin with these midterm elections, but it doesn't end there. Let us hold fast in our faith putting it in action, trusting the Lord our God to move on our behalf, to provide the deliverance. Not just because we want to see the deliverance and however the Lord will bring it. Knowing, though, that when the Lord brings deliverance, He brings it swiftly and mightily. It only takes a day to restore and reestablish a nation. Or it says that multiple times in Scripture. And our God is the same yesterday and today and forever. If He will do that then, there is no doubt He will absolutely do that now, today, for us and for this nation. But know that He has done it. We didn't do it ourselves. And He has done it because He first loved us but also that we love him, reciprocating his love to us and have taken, I'll say, advantage of the opportunity that he has given to enter into covenant with him. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us on Matters of Life. I have great anticipation and expectation for all that the Lord will do that we will see and hear the fruit of this even this week. So for those that have joined us, thank you. God bless you, and have a wonderful evening.